Good morning, Good morning campers. campers. Today's activities will include, ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh, I'm just going to gyrate, yeah, what? <laughs> Lunch today will be Froyo and Molly. <laughs> and at the end of the night, we will be getting down. So put on your sunscreen, bug spray, and camp uniform as we dive into Magic Mike XXL. Mariska Hargate, Sarah. Mariska Hargate, Sam. I'm your camp counselor, Sam, an ex-pro wrestler in training and current drag wrestler manager. And I'm camp counselor, Sarah, a recently divorced woman with nothing to do. And we're here to ask, <laughs> is it camp? We're diving into popular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp. We are not here to be the definitive experts on it, but rather just talk about this often overlooked and frankly queer subgenre. So Magic Mike extra, extra large. Yeah, we skipped straight from Magic Mike original flavor to Magic Mike double XL. Oh, yeah. We even went over medium and large and extra large. <laughs> Do you have a history with these movies at all? Absolutely none. Like, I, <laughs> I, rem I remember the movies coming out, like the first movie coming out and going, huh, hmm, that's, that seems fun, a movie about male strippers. I'm sure it's, and then I heard reviews for it and I was like, oh, no, I don't want to sit through two hours of sadness. For like yes. what, fifteen minutes? For fifteen minutes of gyration. That is very much the bait and switch of the original Magic Mike, and it's part of why I don't consider it sort of the classic that this movie is. The difference between the actual content of the film and the advertising for it—big difference. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't like that. I want to, like, this is the problem. I have with a lot of stripper movies is that mm -hmm. there's no fun stripper movie. Well, right? I think they like, fix that problem. I think this like, is a fun stripper movie. Striptease, showgirls, hustlers. Um, I'm sure there's other strip coyote ugly kind of, but not really. What other stripper yeah, movies? I'm sure that Diablo Cody wrote a memoir about her time stripping. And yeah, it's sort of the same thing. Like, yeah, it's funny, easy money, but it's a job like anything else. And the hours suck and the bosses suck and et cetera, et cetera. For sure. And, you know, it is important that we, like, I, I get the, the prudishness of, hey, this is a job, guys, you know, just like any other job. But we get fun movies about, every other job on the planet what yep. like heist movies heist movies are a ton of fun but i'm sure an actual heist in real life is nothing but stress and arguing and no fun because it's jail time sometimes but <laughs> stripper movies seem to only exist in the not so fun like we we have to be serious look at this stripper uh this stripper has bad family issues Murr. and then to end the movie maybe the main character moves on to something better maybe well, the thing is too is 
this movie is the male stripper movie. Most stripper movies are about women because most jobs for stripping are for women. And that's the thing, too, is female sexuality has to be punished, especially mm-hmm. when you're harnessing it for yourself and you're making money off of it and you might even enjoy it. How dare you? How dare you? How, what, taking pleasure in capitalism? You're a commodity. <laughs> you're only allowed to sell your body if you're in a job where you're not allowed to sit down for five goddamn minutes. I just, I want to see a stripper movie come out that is the first half of Hustlers and all the best parts of, of this movie, Magic Mike XXL. Mm-hmm. merge together so it's just always upwards trajectory so that yeah. at the end of the movie we come out of it going man all those people move great they look like they're having an awesome time it's all good news hooray 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 and maybe people will actually start to look at strippers not as purely a commodity and maybe instead as people i don't know no, then the ghost of the Hayes Codes rises up from beyond the grave. And they said, you no. can't let people have a happy ending. You're, you're not a ghost. You're, you're a partially undigested piece of beef. A blob of mustard. Uh, there's more of gravy than the grave view, Hayes Code. <laughs> <laughs> and then you pat yourself on the back and like, that's a pretty good one. And the Hayes Code is like, yeah, that was a pretty good one. <laughs> It, Hayes and Code, they go back to their graves. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the movie before this. Like I said, um, I don't really love the first Magic Mike movie. I think it's an interesting movie. It's a Soderbergh movie, so they're not necessarily... Um, I don't think there's ever been Fun. a Soderbergh movie that I've seen that was necessarily bad. I know there's a Soderbergh movie that you've seen that you really, really hated, which was Bubble. Oh, God, I hated Bubble so much. <laughs> I came out of that movie livid in university. Just like, why did we watch this? <laughs> Suppress that memory until I was going through Soderbergh's filmography to prepare for this and I was like bubble that sounds familiar <gasps> the doll movie <laughs> that's <laughs> all I remember that. about all I remember about that movie is I was angry there were dolls and at some point there was like a magic glowing briefcase or something uh I think that's Pulp Fiction it's about it's a, like a bleak <sighs> movie about workers at a doll factory if you haven't seen it great like nobody has um great and one of them murders the other. That, that's about it. Man, I don't even remember the murder. <laughs> to, to get back to the original Magic Mike, which has no dolls or murder or murder in it. Whoa, whoa, what, what's happening? Speaking of dolls, oh, the no. French door <laughs> open wide and in comes on his little tiny tricycle, our horrible little doll person, our... our non-binary doll that I'm going to call Robin. Because I don't think we've given it a name. Robin, the horrible non-binary doll. (laughs) (laughs) Who who straps you into your chair and attaches 
thumbtacks all around you in a circle. So if you try to leave, <gasps> there's thumbtacks on the floor. Okay. Oh, oh it's no. A horrible torture, but I think I can make it through. And and Robin asks, "Would you like to play a game?" I don't think I have much choice, Robin. No, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I'm still waiting for consent anyway, because it's appropriate and pleasant to ask. Uh, yes, Lady Elaine from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yes, I do consent. <laughs> Floor lamps. Floor lamps? Yes, a floor lamp. Uh, not count. Little key boxes. Oh, camp. Candlesticks. Camp. Candles. Ooh, uh, I just spent way too money on too much money on candles on a pre-Black Friday sale. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say that they're camp. Candelabras. Oh, very camp. Yes, they are. <laughs> Reclining <laughs> chairs. Not camp. Those chairs that drive old people upstairs. I can't. <laughs> Record tables. Um, camp. Those record tables that DJs use. Mm, not camp. Jerry Orbach's career. <laughs> uh, camp. But my love for him, sincere and very on camp. <laughs> Bare floor rugs. Ooh, uh, camp. So Robin packs up all the thumbtacks neatly, puts them into <laughs> their little box, hops back on their tricycle and goes, All right, I'm, I'm heading out. Goodbye. And backs out of your French doors. Bye, Robin. See you next time. Yeah, you too! <laughs> this is becoming a regular thing, Robin. Yeah, it is! Goodbye! Uh, <laughs> did Robin know that we were discussing Steven Soderbergh? Because all this talk about candelabras, both behind and in front of. Did he do behind the candelabra? He did do behind the candelabra. Yeah, I remember watching that because I was expecting an episode of Game of Thrones and I went, eh, this is good enough. <laughs> I'll watch this. I'll watch this because it seems interesting. Oh no, Roblo's face. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Channing Tatum, if you will, big friggin' movie star that somehow became like internationally beloved. Started out as a joke, and around I don't know, like 2012, 2015, tide started turning on him. He just used to be like a square-headed guy with a funny name. And then he was like people's sexiest man alive and he was in actually good movies and he was working with interesting people and stuff like that. Because it's really funny. I thought he was going to be like another square-headed dude who just disappeared, like the Avatar guy, the one whose name we can never remember. But he turns Sam out to Worthington. Be an actual, Sam Worthington. Uh, who, but he turns out to be an actual like goddamn movie star. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Uh, so when he was uh, 18 or 19, the stories about 
old he was and how long he did this tend to change from interview to interview. He worked as a stripper himself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So some interviews say it was four months. Some interviews say it was eight months. So he said that he wanted to do a movie based on his time in um, stripping. And so the, the first Magic Mike movie is basically loosely based on his recollections during his time stripping. So let's talk about that movie. So that movie follows a guy named Adam, who's played by Alex Pettifer. That's his name. Yes. See, that's the thing. He's the real uh, uh, Sam Worthington of this of this <laughs> franchise. Um. So, Adam, uh, what is it? He is a college dropout looking for a construction job, and Mike works in construction. Mike, played by Channing Tatum, as we see in the second movie job doing construction and furniture work and stuff like that he finds uh this pretty like easy way to make money and from that it sort of follows your standard stripper formula you know adam's like oh this is pretty fun and it's a great way to meet girls and the money's easy and there's all these fun guys to hang out with and that sort of thing however he eventually starts doing drugs with the rest of the of the uh dancers naturally Uh, yeah kind of hard life he's got a sister who's really sweet who ends up getting together with Channing Tatum that's the woman who he talks about breaking up with in the second movie oh okay all right yes Magic Mike eventually devolves into a plot where uh dealers give Adam some pills to sell he takes some of them he loses some of them he gives some of them away and then the people were like okay those cost ten thousand dollars you gotta give me the money uh, he doesn't have the money, obviously. Mike is like, okay, I'll give you the money from my life savings that we're going to start this furniture company. So, you know, he wipes out Mike's life savings just like that. That sort of thing. Um, in between, we see a couple strip shows. There's The ads really pump this up. Same thing as they really pump up Matthew McConaughey, who, again, is barely in the movie. Um, it's really more of a romance following Mike and Brooke, uh, the sister, and Adam sort of descends into the seedy underworld, etc, etc. The movie did great. Uh, Again, the advertising was really based on come see a movie where like Matthew McConaughey and Joe Manganiello and Channing Tatum strip. So I went to see this movie with my best friend and my mom. We were like, woo, girls time! And then we just like sat down and watched the CD Steven Soderbergh movie. Oh, man. I'm so sorry for that bait and switch for you guys. I mean, still fun. Still a good movie. But, again, not the movie we were promised. So yeah. then they made the movie we were promised. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, to be fair, yeah. Magic Mike did make a ton of money to the point where, I mean, it's now got a Vegas show and, exactly. and going on. So making a sequel would have been, like, if they hadn't done it, somebody would have done it. Absolutely. And I have here a GQ 
interview with Channing Tatum. When Tatum first started sharing his idea for a movie about his stripping past, there was one story he focused on. It was about going to a stripper's convention, thousands of women in a convention hall with one big stage on which maybe a hundred strippers appear. In fact, Reed Carolyn, Tatum's friend and producing partner who wrote the actual script, the script for both movies, um, that was the first thing Tatum told him about those days. I want to do the story of when we're in a dark U-Haul with a bunch of these guys and we're doing drugs driving up to the stripper convention. Soderbergh said he steered them away from it, telling them, you know what? It's too big. That idea alone is a movie. So that was the thinking This he wanted to incorporate it into the first movie, saying, oh, you know, this is one of the many stories that happened. Um, and they said, no, let's cut it. In fact, let's turn it into the second movie. So that's the story of Magic Mike. I This is why I make the argument that Magic Mike Double XL is the best sequel to Jurassic Park ever made. My I'm sorry. This, sorry, what? <laughs> my theory to this is if you watch Jurassic Park, which is, of course, a perfect movie. Perfect um, movie. A lot of it is sort of like philosophizing about God and man and probability and all that. And with every subsequent movie, they get schlockier and schlockier and cheesier and more like um, creature featurey. What if a T Rex had like two Gatling guns instead of arms? Exactly. But they still try to maintain this framework of man was not meant to meddle, etc., etc. I just want to see some friggin' dinos. And that's why Magic Mike Double XL is the perfect sequel to Jurassic Park because they were like, what if we built the whole thing out of dinos? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm just going to get it out of the way. I love this movie. I especially love some of the musical numbers in this movie. Uh, I love a dance movie. I love a movie where people dance really well. And uh, Two of the sequences I will still put on as, like, my, uh, I'm just feeling shitty and I want to watch, like, one fun dance. Let's YouTube this on up. Okay. I get that. Um, so at what point in Magic Mike does uh, Magic Mike hook up with Brian Singer while he's making X-Men? Wait, what? Oh, Is my this- God, you don't know this? Wait, is this related to the Gambit thing? No, this is related to just Channing Tatum. Wait, what? Brian Singer noted Creepazoid? Yeah, Brian Singer noted Creepazoid. um, Kind of kept Channing Tatum as a a kept boy, I guess. Because he would have been a young man at the time. While making one of the X-Men movies. I'm pretty Uh sure... And, like, it was just one of those, oh, yeah, it's his personal assistant or something. Oh. Yeah, and it, it was very much like, oh, poor sweet Channing. Like, and, and it was Channing being a young man trying to make his way into Hollywood, and then this one creepoid taking advantage of him. Oh, God, that's awful. <laughs> Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, so 
I'm sorry supposed... you had to break that to me. Sorry, sorry I had to break that to you. I thought for sure you you already knew that. No, I did not know that. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a little unfortunate, but um, yeah. Oh well, it's, well, Channing Tatum is big fat movie star now, and hopefully <laughs> he's getting the help that he needs and living a healthier life. Yeah. He uh, he's recently taken a like a really long break from it's something like four four years he's gone without doing any on screen performances. Uh, he's oh, only done really? voice work. Yeah, he's got a new one coming out about uh, like an army dog that he directed himself and he stars in. Um, but he also went through a divorce in the last couple of years too, so yeah. it makes sense that he would kind of take a step back. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate, and I, yeah. I have zero desire to see his army dog movie. Not because it's him, but because movies but, about dogs only end one way. <laughs> and it's never a it's never a happy ending with dog movies. Yeah, that's a good point. To the point where there was that movie that came out a couple of years ago called A Dog's Purpose, I mm. think. And the movie where uh, the dog dies like a dozen times. <laughs> they were like, "How do we one up all the other dog movies in the world?" <laughs> oh, I've got it. <laughs> what if he just kept, keeps on getting reincarnated as another dog and then dies again? Fuck that! <laughs> Fuck that noise! I think the only dog movie, only two dog movies, I think that make it through the the dog movie trajectory would be Beethoven and Airbud. <laughs> this is my Dumbo thing again where I'm like the remake of Dumbo could be the worst movie ever uh, made and yet they play Baby of Mine and I will be sobbing uh, so I am not going to let myself be subjected to that exactly we pick and choose our battles and <laughs> yes. I think definitively across the board on Is It Camp we say no dog movies right but we also uh, take the Don Bluth stance in uh, in politics, which is all dogs go to heaven. All dogs do go to heaven, except for that evil dog at the end of all dogs go to heaven. So let's get into Let's stop talking about dead dogs and start talking about Magic Mike XXL. So what did you think? Hmm, what did I think? I, I thought there are parts of this film that I really enjoyed. Uh, and not just in terms of like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, kind of enjoyment. They can't do but that, rather, can they? <laughs> in a motion picture? What? Normally I have to search the internet for this kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's a real, there's some really good jokes laid out in this film. Uh, there's some really fun performances. I think Joe, I can never pronounce his last name correctly. Magnello? I think it's Magnello. Magnello. I'm just going to call him Joe. Let's let's skip. I think think he has some of the funniest bits. And quite frankly, he is the most attractive of the bunch to me. (laughs) Wow, he is astonishingly funny in this movie. 
He is so funny. He was done dirty by the Spider-Man films. Because <laughs> not, not only is Flash Thompson an incredible character, but on top of it, you got Joe Maganiello to be Flash Thompson. He should have had a, his spinoff movie where he becomes Agent Venom and does all kinds of cool shit. Spoiler well, alert. You know, Thompson became it might still Venom. happen. Sony's it could. Well, we make our Venom movies now. Yeah, and considering that the next Spider-Man film is going to be Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, there's a Spider-Man, and there's a Spider-Man, and there's another Spider-Man. God, I wish. Just you wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he was fun. Uh, Matt Bomer couldn't be any gayer in this film, and nobody's acknowledging it. <laughs> <laughs> like he has some real good chemistry with Don Glover oh, where I'm just yeah. like oh god you two need to fuck by the end of this film please and the movie didn't give it to me or at least kiss come on at least kiss Jada Pinkett Smith is magnetic anytime she's on screen incredible I, I couldn't get enough of her I needed more Elizabeth Banks I needed more Andy McDowell and her uh, her boozy friends, uh, <laughs> I could do with so much less Amber Heard. I couldn't care less about this sub subplot involving her. Just mm -hmm. get out of here. But let's get to the plot plot. Such as it is. And, and I can I can air my grievances as we go, or my delights <laughs> as we go. Airing my delights. That's what we should do. We should air delights as much as we air for our grievances. Yes. <laughs> that is a new thing going forward. The airing of delights. I got so, some delights to air with you. Yeah, yeah, tell me. Lay them upon me. <laughs> so the movie starts in Florida, and Channing Tatum runs an artisanal furniture store slash antiques reclamation something. Yeah. He's doing work and he seems real it proud looks of it. Expensive. It looks it, expensive. It, he has a real nice house too. Like it's mm -hmm. enormous. So he must be doing fairly well for himself. It's just real unfortunate that he can't pay for his sole employee's health care. Mm -hmm. Which again, America, get your shit together. And he gets a call. That's about a funeral for Dallas, who I assume is Matthew McConaughey. He is Matthew McConaughey, yeah. It's super it's easy like... dots connected. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they even imitate him later on and say, all right, all right, all right. Um, but yeah, Matthew McConaughey in the first movie was both sort of like the leader of the troupe and a dancer and the MC. Okay. Uh, so he, Channing Tatum has to leave all of a sudden to go over to this... Uh, hotel for a week shows up in a suit and the first first thing that happens is that joe nakedly rushes at him <laughs> grabs him and throws him into a pool at which point i uttered my first words which were oh hello <laughs> the people want what they want and magic mike gives them what they want magic mike xxl gives them what they want Yes. In like the first two minutes of Magic Mike, you also see Channing Tatum's butt. Um, so they're like, okay, get people happy real quick so they're not waiting for it. 
you know, it, it's, it's a good way to introduce me, a brand new person, to this cast of characters. Look, it's Kevin Nash. Look, it's Matt Bomer. Look, it's uh, uh, Gabriel Iglesias. And I was thinking, he's a stripper too? Good for this movie and the previous movie for being so body positive, only to find out later, no, he's just the MC. And being somewhat disappointed. I thought we were having like a really, like like seeing Lizzo in Hustlers, where I was just like, fuck yeah, yeah. Lizzo, get your fucking shit. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, Gabriel, get your fucking shit in here. But no, he's just the MC. That's a tough thing too, is that this movie is very body positive to all different sorts of women, but doesn't really do that for the men. I mean, they're, they're like, oh, Kevin Nash has bad knees, he can't do the same sort of thing the other guys can. But I'm like, no, I, I want to celebrate the entire canon. Yeah, I, I really feel like there there's just this untapped vein of a perfect stripper movie just below the the surface of this film. Mm-hmm. It's almost there. This movie's good, but I need it to go further. Like the the energy in the the highest part of Hustlers and the good lookingness of the boys in this, and then add in a bunch of body positivity and stuff, you'd have a perfect stripper movie. It would m- win a million Oscars, make a billion dollars. <laughs> I see no downsides. Anyway. But- what we need is J-Lo and Channing Tatum dancing to Gimme More for 90 minutes is what we need. Oh my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, it, it, would, it would topple The Mummy as the bisexual perfection film. <laughs> Yes, I do have to point out too. Um, I believe Matt Bomer is—he is married to a man, but I believe he is bi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, good for him, regardless. Mm-hmm. Celebrate who you are. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they they come forward, they come clean, and they say, "No, he's not dead. He's just gone. We couldn't get him back for this movie." And instead. <laughs> we're, we're getting the gang back together and we're going on a road trip up to the 2015 stripper convention in Myrtle Beach. Now, A, is this a real thing? Please, Sarah, tell me this is a real thing. I think it's a real thing. Whether it's in Myrtle Beach or not, I don't know. Um, I don't care where it is. Just tell me where it is right now. <laughs> Just um, tell me where it is. Um, I only know Myrtle Beach as like a vacation destination, and it seems like a lot like seedier than I had originally thought it was. Um, but yeah, apparently it is a real thing because Channing Tatum says he went to it while he was uh, working as a stripper. So sure, why not? I think that the women in the back of the auditorium are maybe not having as much fun. That's that's what I'll do for my my stripper routine with my stripper friends is that we'll play exclusively to the back. (laughs) (laughs) You've heard about painting for the back rows. Now we're stripping for the back rows. Long distance stripping. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies, Uh, get out your telescope. You have a telescope under your seat. So it's at this point that I figure, oh... This is like the Sister Act 2 slash Pitch Perfect 2 
uh, sequel of Magic Mike, right? We're going on a bit of a road trip. We're getting together. We're going to change up the formula a bit. And we're going into a, what I thought at the time was a stripping competition. Turns out, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're winning money for it or anything. They're just doing it, they which just, is a like, real shit. They just to keep the money that they earn. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's just a real shame because I figure they should win, right? We should, there should be an evil stripper team. Magic Mike, Triple XL, evil strippers against well, these the bo- good boy strippers. The mood of this movie is very much, we have to get the band back together for one last ride so that we can save the community center. Like, that's the only part that's missing out of this movie is so that we can save the community center. So I think yeah. that's got to be the plot of the next one. There's no real antagonist in this film beyond, like, internal struggle. No, there's no real arcs either. This movie is a very easy ride. Like, you just watch, you sort of surf along on the top of it, and that's all it asks of you. Which is fine. I mean, we don't need conflict in everything. But I, I feel, with Magic Mike 3 eminent on the horizon in my brain... evil strippers possibly from europe exactly uh your your comparison to pitch perfect 2 i i did keep thinking of pitch perfect throughout this movie and it's kind of weird how much the two franchises are like (laughs) you mean elizabeth 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 (laughs) (laughs) Uh, who is barely in this movie a goddamn crime Shame. She is so good. I love what she does. I love her career. Just, mm, yeah. I'm just hats off to everybody in this film. I enjoyed all of your performances. I wanted to see more of most of you. Yes. So Channing Tatum's like, no, no, no. I can't do this. I'm done with the stripping lifestyle. I've got some stuff to weld. So he goes home. And he does some welding when, and I wrote here, suddenly a famous hip hop song comes on. And I went, oh no, I know this. I know this. I know this. I shazammed in my head for a while before I shazammed on my phone. I went, oh, (laughs) it's only by Genuine. That's why I know this. It's the one that goes, wow. 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 Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And... (laughs) He does that wry smile to no one, you know. <laughs> I can't believe this song is on. <laughs> Remember when I used to? And then he starts dancing, and I go, "Oh fuck, he can dance." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did. I was expecting like, like some simple things, some fun little gyrations, maybe like the final wry smile up to the sky, going like, "I should," but instead, it's like. Oh no, you busted shit out for no one. Thank you, Channing. It's not like Matt Bomer later in the movie where they give him like five moves and then he's like, for the rest of the movie, can I just sing? And they're like, yeah, you can just sing for the rest of it. You don't need to keep pretending that you're a dancer. Uh, No, Channing Tatum got his start as a dancer, not just an exotic dancer. He's a a dancer in a couple music videos, including the She Bangs music video by Ricky Martin. Um, Really? and I am assuming that you have not seen Hail Caesar in that case. I have not seen Hail Caesar, no. But I remember he was in 
was it step up or yeah, step up like to the streets or uh, he was in the original step up, step up yeah. door i'm sure he was gi <laughs> joe colon dance dance revolution uh yeah he was in step up money never sleeps that was sort of his big break um and yeah he uh if you see hail caesar which again is another just one of my absolute comfort movies great Coen brothers movie about the golden age of hollywood but he plays a sort of gene kelly type um where he is seen performing a uh a tap dance musical number about sailors going off to sea and how there will be no women out at sea. So what will they do? Uh-huh. They'll have to dance with each other. Uh-huh. And it's, and it's called No Dames. And it makes me so happy. I I cried in the movie theater watching it, to be honest. <laughs> like tears of joy, correct? Yeah, tears of joy. I was like, uh, you know, you don't. It's stuff like um, long shots where they're not cutting away to their face all the time. And I was like, they don't make dance movies. Like this anymore. <laughs> and same thing, like he uh I watched an interview with him where he was talking about like all of the background dancers in it really loved it because if you're a tap dancer, there's not really a lot of work for you anymore. Um mm-hmm. you kind of have to do a period piece. Uh so you know, he's getting to work with all these people who do this dance style that doesn't get done much anymore and who obviously really, really love it. If you watch nothing else, just watch that scene. It's very funny. He has a shockingly good voice, too. Well, I mean, I think Hail Caesar's on the list, so I will wait on that until it pops up at some point, because I'd like to be delightfully surprised and then talk to you about my delight. Okay. So, uh, Channing Tatum has now decided internally he's going to join back up with the boys for one last ride. And he shows up dressed like a 12-year-old. <laughs> He's dressed like a tra- 12-year-old for a lot of this movie. For most of the film, he is dressed like a 12-year-old who thinks he's cool. Boy, yeah. oh boy, Channing. <laughs> this movie's set in Florida, but this movie's set in Florida. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he surprises everybody at their Froyo van. Which, you know what? Fine. I'm cool with that. It's an interesting means of conveyance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but somehow he found it. Yeah. yeah like, that's a good point. Somehow he just shows up. And he's like, ah, my stripper sense is tingling. <laughs> <laughs> there are crotch thrusts happening in this direction. <laughs> so we get a nice catch up with everyone. How's everyone grown since the last movie? And quite frankly, I don't care. Because they're all wearing too many clothes. <laughs> uh, but Matt Bomer looks very intense, as if there's something weighing deeply upon his soul. And I wrote, hmm, is this part of a future plot? Nope, 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 nope. Just ignore this intense look by Matt Bomer. And let's yeah, move I on. I noticed that, too. Earlier in the hotel room scene, too, there's just a lot of Matt Bomer watching Channing Tatum. Yeah, yeah. It's Anyway, they're, they're on the road. Uh, they do a little number, you know, bam, 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 bam. 
there's a, a fun bit with a cell phone where they're like, Channing, you got to get off of your cell phone. And he's like, no, I don't want to. I've got work to do. That's about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they decide to stop for the night at a drag queen bar. And I was just like, yes, my people. Excellent. Where there's an amateur dance night. For a second, I thought it was an amateur drag night, the way that she was announcing it. Yes, but, that's what I thought too. I was like, I do not remember this. Like, are we going to see the boys dolled up? Like, like, uh, 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 no, no. But again, Channing comes out and he does some legit ballroom moves. I so I've just started watching Legendary with my cousin. Mm-hmm. We watch a lot of reality TV together. Legendary is on Crave up in Canada, HBO Max in the states. And it is the ballroom uh, dance competition program. So it is fashion. It is faces. It is voguing. It's hierography. It's everything that you, like, all the best parts of the, any of the dancing parts of Drag Race, Mm -hmm. it's just that. And it's proper ballroom houses from around the States. So House of Ninja, House of Gorgeous Gucci, Right, we're only on the first season. The judges are Jamila Jamil, Megan the Stallion. Oh, it's it's incredible because you just see some amazing shit where you're like, I wish my body could move like that. I legit <laughs> would love to be able to do that. I can't serve face. I'm not a face person. But maybe, just maybe, I can teach my arms to do some cool voguing stuff. Maybe I can get away with some hairography once my hair gets long enough. I plan so to do a hairography. Comedy queen, like you've got your I, lockdown. Yeah, yeah, I I have big Miriam Margulies <laughs> energy. So, you but, have fun ant energy. Mm-hmm. But here you see Channing Tatum doing legit ball removes. He does the duck walk, right? He can do a bit of voguing, and you're just like, holy shit! What? Where did this come from? So good for him. Really, like, it, it genuinely took me sur- by surprise. And then it all went downhill from there because Matt Bomer comes up, he does a couple moves, and you're like, oh, okay. And then uh, the other guys come up one by one, and they all do. I mean, Kevin Nash tries something, and I get it. Kevin Nash, your legs and knees are fucked. That is why you are spending 99% of this film sitting down. He legitimately, he has destroyed his legs and his mm-hmm. knees, mostly through wrestling, would you guess? Yeah. Uh, and being a tall ass dude. And so he's had a lot of surgeries recently as well. So really unfortunate, but good for him still getting up there, looking as good as he does at his age and just having genuine fun. And then... Gabriel Iglesias comes out in like pseudo drag and wins, which is, mm-hmm. it's a dance competition. No, you don't fucking win. No, <laughs> bullshit. This is the thing that really cements what I love about this movie too. And we'll lead into my discussion of whether it's camp later on. Um, this is 100% sincere. These guys are not making fun of drag queens. They are no. not, they are not being the, though like oh wouldn't it be funny if a dude put on makeup these guys are just like celebrating drag queens celebrating dance and having fun together as a group and celebrating each other 
Yeah, there's no antagonism from them towards anyone or anything beyond closer to the end of the film, the Twilight Strippers. That's the only yes. antagonism <laughs> that they throw out at any point in this film. They don't throw it out to any women of any kind. Mm-hmm. And you get to see women of all kinds of shapes and sizes in this film. It really is a bizarre... So you're making me like this movie more as we talk about this, Sarah, <laughs> because it's so gosh darn positive. This is one of my notes, too, is it's really hard to show people having fun on screen. Like, you can have fun watching people, but whenever you watch people having fun together, it usually feels really awkward and forced, and they're all, ha, 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 we're having a good time. But the guys in this always feel like they are having fun together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they had legitimate great times because, I mean, Kevin Nash has had fun with wrestlers and this is a whole other kind of thing. But at the same time, very close to the exact same thing he would have been doing for 20, 30 years. Exactly. So it does a very quick cut to them all at the beach. It's sad truth time of everybody feeling a little let down and coming out about their insecurities and why, what happened to who, and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, somebody brings up condiments. A genuinely great idea. Yeah, I I get it. (laughs) But condiments. (laughs) (laughs) Condiments. And this this is where I wrote down the whole movie feels like sadness is just about to happen at any just moment. That's what I was about to say. These guys are never going to break out of this. They're enjoying it right now, but they even say uh, after this scene, like, Matt Bowman's still got his lips. He's still got a few chances in acting, but what's going to happen to the other guys? Like, they don't have anywhere to go. Their, their big money schemes are crazy, and they haven't done any research for them, and things like that. Yeah, and I I want the best for these people. But then again, I want the best for most people in the world, right? But watching (laughs) this, you genuinely are just like, I want you all to succeed. I want you to have the best time. I want all your endeavors. But there's this sad underlying truth of this is it. Like, this is the final hurrah. And then we've all got nothing afterwards. Exactly. Except for maybe Joe, but I'll get to that when we get to that. Matt Bomer hits Channing in the nuts with a a big old stick, (laughs) because after he begs him to feel better about abandoning them. And after that, Channing Tatum's got to go off and urinate for a bit, where where I wrote down, he meets a horrible lady while he's urinating for far too long. So Amber Heard, every time I tweet about Amber Heard, I have... uh... People get me in my mentions about her. What are your thoughts on Amber Heard? I wrote down horrible lady before I figured out it was Amber Heard. I literally mm. did not figure out that it was Amber Heard until the like final 10 minutes of the movie where she's being stripped on. Uh. And I was just like, oh, because for a while I thought she was... Who's the girl that looks like Amber Heard, but it's not Amber Heard. She's married to Ryan Reynolds. Oh, um, Blake Lively, 
Blake Lively. I was hoping it was Blake Lively. That's, but that's um, yeah, yeah. But then I got to the end and went, oh, it's Amber Heard. Okay. I only thought she was a horrible lady here because dude's trying to urinate, girl. And you're coming in, <laughs> you're going to be Madame Morose around him. Yeah, don't don't take pictures of people without their consent, especially not when they have their genitals out. Yeah, what if you turned around quickly by accident? <laughs> right. Again, uh, like you say, I normally have to uh, uh, go online to see that kind of footage. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I just I didn't like this interaction at all. I don't like this sort of bizarre flirtation because she's being so mean to him the whole time. She's a manic pixie dream girl, but he's kind of a manic pixie dream dude at the same time. Like, there doesn't seem to be anything that they need from each other other than a sexual connection. Yeah, it's going to be a real toxic relationship if they try anything beyond that. Yeah, that's he says, you know, I know what happens when we go over to that island. So they're just putting it off, but you never get the idea throughout the movie that there's anything other than that between them. It's just sex, which I hope is just sex. And then he finds a nicer lady at some point. Or a man, if he feels that way. Yes. Um, And Clitoria Labia is a terrible drag name. (laughs) You want to talk about a terrible drag name? Dolly Tits with a Z. It's at least it, it flows a little better than Clitoria Labia. <laughs> I know drag queens. I am a drag queen. I, I great drag queen names. I know someone uh, killed a man. Great, great name, great name, right? Uh, Endy patriarchy, great name. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love Endy. She's so good. So this is just a note from the future. Uh, during the episode, I did say that killed a man and injury, Andy patriarchy. Uh, I did refer to them by the wrong pronouns. They both go by they, them pronouns. And I just want it to be crystal clear that these two drag artists go by they, them. Thank you. Clitoria lady. Yeah. No, it's, it's clumsy and drunk. People won't be able to say it. But uh, yeah, I I want done with this interaction. And thankfully it just cuts to the next morning of him waking up in the truck and everybody kind of having done their own thing over the course of the night. And Bomer and Channing talk to each other and they kind of hash out their, they air out their grievances as we wait to air out our delights. (laughs) And I'm thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, what happened to his business? Like, who's watching the shop? Is this just for a weekend? Can he do this? Does he have the time? That's my thinking. They say it's 4th of July long weekend. So I'm thinking he just, like, closed down the shop for a weekend. Okay, fair enough. I mean, in the U.S., it's such a big deal. So, yeah. okay. That's good. Uh, They're back on the road and cooking while driving. (laughs) Why? Yeah. This made me real nervous, and I was looking. I was looking at like, okay, let's watch out the window. Let's watch how these guys are shaking. Are they actually driving right now, or on, or are, is this on a rig? I'm getting real nervous. It does make me feel real nervous. And then somebody busts out Molly. 
<laughs> and it to the driver. Oh, such a bad idea. Anyway, they, they start to discuss the show, and this is where Channing comes in. He's like, no, we're going to abandon all the stuff we've done before, because if we're going to do this, if we're going to do this last ride, let's make it something that we all want to do, right? So, like, talking to Joe, he says, you know, you're a firefighter. Your whole shtick is that you're a firefighter. Do you like fires? And Joe's like, no, I hate fires. They make me scared. And I was like, yes, that's very funny. <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah. Uh, this is the, this <laughs> the emotional vulnerability and sincerity throughout. But I'm like, I, I, I love this movie. Yes, yes. And and seeing them. And at first, he's, he's so reticent. He's like, no, I don't want to do this. We're not going to do this. We're not going to change the plan. And then best joke, the thing that made me laugh the most. <laughs> Fifty-four minutes later, and it's all of them out of their minds, and Joe just being yes, yes, yes. Let's do this. Well, what do you want to do? What do you want to? I want to. And he he goes through the details of what he wants to do, where he wants to essentially propose to a woman on the floor and give her the fantasy of getting married, and then you know stripping for her right there on stage. And I'm like, this is brilliant. This is genius. You guys have great ideas. This isn't a bad Molly idea. This is a genuinely fun idea, and I hope it comes to fruition. Spoiler alert, it comes to fruition, and it's great. <laughs> it's so much more than I imagined. It's fantastic. So, uh, I've also wrote here, I would fuck Joe in a heartbeat. <laughs> I also wrote at this scene, Mike invented improv, because they were like, we can't do away with our routines, and they say, and Mike's like, no, just like, listen to what's in your heart, man. Yeah. It, yes, and, everyone. Yes, and. Exactly. Uh, so this is where I'm starting to get the hint that something's up with Joe. Uh, was something horrible ha- happened to him? Uh, was he in an awful genital accident? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, did something happen at the end of Magic Mike 1 where, like, he's... Bye, everyone. I'm going to go home and and try to clean out my blender with my penis. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So here's the thing. Um, his character's name is Richie, but he also goes by BDR, which is Big Dick Richie. And in the first movie, you actually see his dick. Uh, and that's why they make such a big deal of, like, no woman can handle him. And that's what I eventually got was, yeah. oh, he's just got an enormous dick that no lady can handle, which is why I feel so goddamn good about Andy McDowell later on this film. Yeah. <laughs> but back to 54 minutes later, they stop <laughs> at a convenience store to convince Joe, hey, sorry, or Big Dick, Richie, Ricky, whatever, uh, hey, just feel it from your heart. Go in there and seduce her. Like, do your thing. And this went from the most toe-curling scene to the most, oh, oh, giddy, over-the-top scene for me. I have never oscillated between those two emotions so fast because this Amy Schumer look-alike does not... A, distracting, but B, does not give a flying fuck what he's doing in here. He goes in, grabs Cheetos. No, hold on. doesn't even do that. First, Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way comes on, 
which is like they have yes. previously had an argument about NSYNC versus Backstreet, which culminates in the classic line, "Get your Orlando history straight." And me, of course, <laughs> I'm laughing my ass off in the theater because it's aimed directly at me and our age. <laughs> <laughs> not knowing that this was going to lead in one, to one of the greatest films ever put on celluloid. It's so good because he does the eye roll and then he's trying to like stretch out and, you know, show off a little bit for her, you know, ease her into what he's about to give her in terms of an experience. She's having fucking none of it because he's some weird dude who just walked in off the street and he's doing strange stuff in her store, rips open a bag of Cheetos, goes over to the, the, uh, a pop, uh, cooler thing, opens it up, grabs a water, pours it all over himself, <laughs> squirts it like a big ejaculation. <laughs> and, oh, that what that was? <laughs> I know it's almost like a cum. <laughs> And my God, like, yeah, at first I was just like, oh God, the fact that she's ignoring him, this is so creepy and weird. But by the end yeah. of it, when she gives that smile and all of a sudden you're just like, okay, I'm on board with this now. I, I feel safe. She feels safe. He feels safe. And the fact that his friends are running up to the windows like winsome lads looking in in a candy store. They've got these enormous smiles on their face that their buddy has just stripped for a rando. When, oh. uh, but their energy comes off as, hooray, lads, we've done it. We've, we've got a, a, a bicycle and now we can go out to see the dead body at the creek or something. <laughs> Some Something I noticed this time that I'd never heard before in this scene is um, the mix of the song in the audio changes throughout. So when it when he first comes into the store, it's really obvious that it's the radio playing, and then it gets louder and louder and better quality in the mix altogether. And smashes with "Tell Me Why" at uh, at her smile, and it's just like the music just underscoring the entire moment to the point. I've got to have seen this scene at least 10 times. This is one of the ones that I go back to and I'm like, you know what I haven't seen for a while? Uh, and it, it just puts a smile on my face every time. I, it did. At the end of it, at, at the beginning, I was very like, oh no, I'm so uncomfortable because I'm one of those secondhand awkward people. Yeah. But by the end of it, I was big smiles of just, oh, she's enjoying it and He's enjoying it, and they're, oh, look at them. Oh, so yeah. cute. So now and they're back like, on the road. And it's simply just like, make that girl smile. Not That girl's a stuck up bitch who doesn't smile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, great scene. Bravos all around, including Amy Schumer lookalike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, they get back on the road, and they just start throwing away all their props and costumes out the window. And I'm thinking, you guys can just sell that. You can sell that online and make a fucking fortune because it's hot boy clothing that's got sweat in it. You know you know, there's some dirty ladies out there who are just like, yeah, I'll pay 50 bucks for an old thong. Yeah. Ooh. That's their thing. Don't yuck their yum, but, you know, you know at the same time. 
they're, they're throwing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they're throwing away good money. That's my yeah. problem with the team. <laughs> <laughs> they're not thinking thriftily. No. If this is their last ride, make all the money you can, guys. So they decide to have a kumbaya moment, which, oh my God, you couldn't telegraph this any more <laughs> than you did. I'm just like, no, 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 don't do this. The second they started holding hands, I'm like, no, 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 no. And of course, the driver, who is Gabriel Iglesias at this point, reaches back and grabs their hands too. And Matt Bomer's like, okay, everybody close your eyes. And he fucking closes his eyes too. It's just my god holy shit stop stop please no stop <laughs> this is <laughs> and, this is a point where it gets especially dog saving the community centered comedy yeah i just and and this this scene could have gone real dark and thank yeah. god they didn't choose <laughs> to go real dark they crashed the truck it's unfortunate uh Gabriel ends up in the hospital. They've lost their MC and their driver and their means of conveyance. Uh, but thankfully, Channing Tatum has a card up his sleeve. Uh, this is also the scene where I said, oh God, Bomer's a fucking Reiki healer. Of fucking course. Next, it'll be homeopathy. Great. <laughs> That's the thing. I'd only seen Reiki like written about. I didn't actually know what it was. So this is the first time I'd ever seen it. I was like, that's Reiki? People pay for this? Yep. Again, yep, yep, not yep. yuck anybody's yum, but yeah. Like, if it works for you, I'm very glad. I'm glad it works for you, but please also do not ignore what scientists and doctors tell you to do. You can yeah. get Reiki on top of that shit. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so... Uh, Channing Tatum pulls out his uh, his wild card. And it's just, I, I, I've got a solution for our conveyance problem, at least. Where they And they go to a lovely house of ill repute. This house and it's nice. It is gorgeous. It is so much better than it, than it has any right to be. Whoever That's the, the interior... I was, at, I was like, the lighting alone lighting like infrastructure in this house is so much funny and there's so much behind the scenes work going on that I'm like give back of house a hand holy shit really like I, I want to get into set deck right now I'm just in um I'm just a laborer craft service person so I bump around a bunch I want to get into set deck because it's it's sets like these that I look yep. at and I go this is what I want to do I want to make, like, I, yeah, I can screw together two planks and I could paint a wall. I can't paint, actually. No, I can't paint. I tried paint once and I went, oh, no, everyone's yelling at me. I need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to get into set deck because a set like this is the thing. This place is gorgeous. And it's not just gorgeous in a, like, upper middle class white lady way. This is like every room has a purpose. It is designed for exactly what it is to fit in the maximum amount of people, but be comfortable and have a focal center point as well. 
right? It's like, like the house in um, in Knives Out, where I'm like, I just want to oh. go and explore every inch of that house and look at every item on every shelf and that sort of thing. This is house porn. Yeah. Right, and it's got nothing to do with the fact that it is a house of ill repute. It's got everything to do with this house is fucking gorgeous. It has no right being this good. <laughs> and it turns out that the house is run by one gorgeous, stunning Jada goddamn Pinkett Smith as I live and breathe. What are you doing here? Because I didn't look at the cast list. I looked at mm-hmm. nothing before I came into this film. So when she showed up, I was just gobsmacked. It's like, eh, yes, you look incredible. Yes, you run this fucking house. Yes, your name is Rome, and you are giving me a story about Rome, all about how the the most important commodity is beauty. Oh, yes. I feel like I remember at some point that this role was written for a man, um, and that Jada Pinkett Smith then got it. I don't remember who, and I tried to look it up, uh, who it was written for, but she owns this role, especially in the last scene at the convention. She has everybody in the palm of her hand at all times. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, the power dynamics of this movie have flipped. Like, the boys have been in charge up until now because they're in charge of themselves and they're in charge of their surroundings as best as they can be. But when Jada walks into this fucking room, all of a sudden, it's she. She is walking through this house. She's taking the boys around with her, and she commands every room that she is in there. Not to the point of like, I am a master and these are my slaves, but in a, you have paid for the experience to be in this room with these fine men, mm-hmm. and I'm going to treat you as the queen you are, because that is my role as the purveyor of these delights. All, right. All these women look like they're having the best time of their life. And That's she is the treating- thing that makes me really want to go to this. I'm- this looks like so much fun. Again, it's the difficulty of portraying fun on screen. But like everybody's into it. Everybody's loving it. You mentioned thinking about that during the convention scene later on. Um, but I just like I put it in my head like everybody signed waivers off screen and old. Uh, what was going to happen, <laughs> and then I felt much better. Yeah, and I mean, there's got to be a lot of consent going into this, but yeah, the way she talks to these women and tells them that they are the most beautiful people in the world, and she's trained these men, she's brought up these men to treat every single one of these women as if they are the most desirable goddess to walk on the earth. I was like, Oh, yes, I want a spin-off movie about this house. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, it's just, it's so good. Yes. She's talking about subscription-based pleasure. <laughs> uh, in one of the rooms, we get to see a full routine of a dude doing some acrobatics around this woman who is lying down on a bed as a bunch of other women watch. I was looking at him and I was like, is that the football guy turned TV show host? And then when I got a close-up picture of his face with yeah, the telltale gap the in his teeth, gap, yeah. yeah, I was like, holy shit, he, it is a 
fucking hot. Holy crap. And this was B, the first time I had ever move. seen Michael Strahan. And I was like, oh my God, that's like the most beautiful man I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, <laughs> oh, he hosts like a morning show? I can't look him in the eyes now. I know. It's, it's, it's got a similar kind of energy to finding out like a friend has a hot dad. Yeah. Or a hot older brother or something like that. Where it's just yeah. like, I'm supposed to be wholesome around you because I can see you every morning <laughs> on the television. But I, I've seen you do dirty stuff. Like, yeah. amazing dirty stuff. Not just like, you know, ooh, I, I pooped on a glass table or something. Like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the one you reach for. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, like he yeah, is, yeah. he is doing some incredible things and just looking like he's having the time of his life, making all of these oh these scenes just incredible. My only question here is. Horny and wholesome at the same time. It's horny and wholesome. That's the title of this episode. Is it horny and wholesome? (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go put that in now. Thank you, thank you. Get get on it. We'll we'll get our editor Lucinda to do it. (laughs) (laughs) My only question in this scene is, who's picking up all this cash? I know. I imagined same thing in the convention seats. I'm like, there's a tiny little Roomba running around. There's got to be a cash Roomba or a gremlin or or something. <laughs> or may, maybe it's a really fair system where all of the cash gets swept up at the end of the night and then divvied yeah. up appropriately, right? Well, you know those really fancy kitchens where they have like the vents beneath the cupboards where you can go like I'm sweeping my kitchen and then instead of having to use a dustpan I just sweep it into this vent I didn't know that was a thing that's a thing yeah in fancy kitchens you can get like if you have a central vac or something like that you can do it where you're like I'm just going to pop open this hole in the kitchen it's usually like underneath the cupboard and then I'm just into there and I don't need to worry about a dustpan huh Cool. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm so marrying my rich, rich husband. Yeah, they're just. It achieves negative pressure. <laughs> they're just, it's sucking up all the dollar bills and then yeah. sorting them and then labeling them for whichever stripper was in the room at the time. Exactly. So this is where my brain took a sudden left turn watching this of uh-huh. being, this is great. This is so much fun. This is so wholesome. This is so so good and then it went hold on a second there's very little female gaze happening here mm, yeah so yeah what i'm what i'm talking about is yeah sure sure the men are the ones stripping we're seeing so much more like men as body, a whole yadi, dancing body yadi, yadi. great love it but the way the camera treats the men is not the same way that a camera, the camera would treat women in the exact same period, uh, exact same position, where in something like Hustlers or Striptease or Showgirls, we would see a lot of body parts. We would see a lot of lingering shots on like a, a, a butt cheek or a thigh and it yeah, going the up slow, and down. the slow pan up and down. 
Yeah, and that's not happening in this film. We're not getting slow pans of muscular thighs and abs and stuff. We're getting full body shots. We're getting face shots. We're getting, like, we get to see what they can do, which is great and fun. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're dancing and stuff. But at no point am I getting a real sense of the female gaze from this. Yeah, and that's the problem we talked about uh Gabriel Iglesias earlier too like this is very this is still a movie very much rooted in what men consider women think what men think women think is sexy mm -hmm. um, if it was a movie about what women think is sexy it would just be like a lot of men listening and rolling up their sleeves uh, <laughs> that's really all you need <laughs> um, but yeah I mean it's still definitely not a movie where it's like let's really consider what women want to see it's definitely just what if we flip this for the genders and we just had men wearing the same amount of clothing i also appreciate that it's not chopping their bodies up because it's just better cinematography to watch the dancing oh for sure for sure absolutely but i i i wondered at this point like, because I, again, I didn't look at the casting crew. I was thinking this has to be a male director and it was a male director. Mm -hmm. What would this movie look like from a female director? How would, how would we be looking at these men's bodies as they're doing all this stuff? Absolutely. The other thing too is Soderbergh didn't direct this, but he did uh, produce it. He was mm -hmm. also the camera operator and the cinematographer and the editor, which he was on the first one as well. So there's definitely like a cohesive visual look to the two movies. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I can see that. It's just, where is my male stripper movie directed by a woman Please. where we, we, we see it the way a woman wants to see men? Mm -hmm. that, that's all I'm asking. Hopefully in the future. All right. uh, audience, let us know if there's more stripper movies that we need to look at. Absolutely. So, Jada Pinkett Smith, commanding every room. I keep on writing down. Incredible talker. She's gorgeous. But I can't sing her praises enough. And then I go, darn, lover, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in this film, girl? <laughs> he, he's handsome. He's not my type. But he has such a magnetism to him. Yes. And this is because he's so good at comedy. This isn't the sort of thing that you normally see him doing where his, his big bit in the movie is just like, I love performing for women and making them feel good. And like, that's my thing. And uh, there's, I don't think he delivers a single joke in the whole thing. No. 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 Or at least I, I didn't even notice it because he has this sort of like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see into your soul kind of vibe. And I'm, I'm going to- feel like you're the only one in the room. I'm gonna listen to you and what you like. And I'm gonna make that fantasy come real. And yep. he does this spoken word rap kind of thing for Caroline. Just, and I'm like, I'm sure this woman, I know she's an actress, I know she was, she was, <laughs> paid to be on this 
But at the same time, I'm sure she sat down and she was just like, this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me and will ever happen to me. And I hope to hell she was married before this film because nothing, <laughs> ever, nothing will ever live up to this moment <laughs> afterwards. Uh, great. Uh, this is where I fa- figured out that Channing Tatum is the titular magic mic. Because <laughs> Jada Pinkett Smith <laughs> calls him that. Or white chocolate, if you like. Um, and oh, okay. I, I get it. Magic. He's Magic Mike. I've just been calling him Channing Tatum in my head the whole time. Exactly. He does this dance. It's Jesus filthy. Christ. It's so dirty. <laughs> and, but the, she's fully clothed. And all these women are fully clothed. He's got his pants on. At one point, he picks this lady up, and I'm like, he's going to fucking powerbomb her. That's what's going to happen here. <laughs> what's powerbomb? Does it involve, like, pile driving her? So a pile driver is where you pick somebody up with your uh, with their head uh, between your legs, and then you drop down to your knees. So it makes it look like you've just crushed their skull into their, to the mat and basically telescope their spine. You don't. But it works best if you've either got long legs or thick legs to protect the other guy. A power bomb is where you stick somebody's head between your legs. They're facing you. You hit them, stick their uh, head between your legs, and then you pick them up from the waist, get them so that they're – so you flip them over your shoulders. So their legs are resting on your shoulders, and their body is up in front of your face. And from there, then you just slam them into the ground. Yeah. Right? He picked her up like that, and I went, Jesus, is he going to powerbomb a girl for a walk or something? Fuck off. Uh, he doesn't. He just, like, imitation fucks her and 20 other women in this room, and I'm sure several ladies in the next room also felt it. <laughs> he, he is he's doing some some nasty things, and I loved every second mom don't listen to this episode please <laughs> please mom no sarah's like I, say, I saw i saw the first movie and this movie with my mother uh which you know choices were made choices <laughs> but there's a difference between seeing it with your mom versus you and i are talking about this and we're being real so fucking we're like, yes that part worked for me Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, how much did he have to practice for this? It's insane, was... and I got to assume that all of those women are dancers too. I uh, yeah, there's some things that he's doing with these ladies where he's like pushing them onto the ground from a standing position, where you're just like, yeah. I I hope to hell that one of these women know what's going to happen to them. Like he he basically pushes one up onto her neck at some yeah. point and I'm like oh god because I, I have that done to me in wrestling often and I'm like if that goes wrong it goes real wrong it's the same thing too with like flipping each other over and facing each other like you gotta have crazy core strength to be able to maintain that and not just immediately collapse on top of your partner well it's it's not just it's not just a core strength thing this is something that I, I, I've learned in wrestling so I'm gonna bring some wrestling over mm-hmm. for a bit uh, when when we practice wrestling moves in the ring, it's it's generally important 
that you should be able to give the wrestling move to everybody else in the class and take it from Fair everybody enough. else, right? And this is where you start to figure out like what moves can I do? What moves should I do? What moves do I feel safe doing with other people? Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm generally the heaviest person in my class. I'm a big boy. And there's some people I train with who go down to like 90 pounds. Yeah. Tiny, tiny girl, waif of a thing. One kid that we had in our class called Andy, uh, we were doing, all we were doing was um, suplexes. Uh -huh. Just, it's, it's, it's a simple move. And I'm going to say simple in quotation marks because the point of a suplex is, you and your partner wrap your arms around each other's necks. You grab onto their waist. They grab onto uh, to your hip. And you together lift him up straight into the air. So you're basically a human pole. And then you mm -hmm. both fall back onto your backs. Looks Got really impressive. Uh, and done right feels absolutely fine. Right? Mm -hmm. And the point of it is you're working together. I have to use a little bit of momentum to get you up and going. You have to hop in order for me to pick you up because I can't just muscle up. I can't muscle up a 90 pound woman from that position. You have to hop and go. Right. And one of the strongest people in our class is a guy whose ring name is Jesse V. Right. So strong. No joke. He one arm picks me up for his finish, finishing move. Oh, damn. Yes. One arm picks me up. And that's me lying on the ground. Oh, shit. So not from standing. I am lying on the ground. I basically have to wrap my legs and arm around his forearm. He will pick me up with his bicep and forearm, move me, and then slam me back into the ground. It's, it's one of the most singularly impressive things I've ever done. Big shout out to Jesse V for being legitimately one of the strongest wrestlers probably in existence right now because he he not only did that to me because the point of it was he thought of this finisher then he asked me hey i need to check to see if i can do my finisher on you i'm going to give it to you several times in a row mm -hmm. he did this to me like five or six times to the point where i had to tap out i'm just like i'm good <laughs> i'm done like i there's there's not many ways you can take it, right? It's it's a beautiful move. So when he was doing the suplexes with me, boom, up, no problem, down. And he's like, for a guy who's your size, you move really well. Andy comes in, 160 pounds. I weigh twice as much as him. And he's just like, Andy, why are you sandbagging me on this? And the sandbag is basically, you're not doing Wait, anything. You're dead fucking weight. The strongest wrestler we have is having problem with a 160 pound kid and he's having no problems with a 300 pound me. Mm -hmm. So that really tells you, you need a good partner when you're doing this yeah. kind of stuff. To circle back to, to Magic Mike, these people are professionals because some of these moves will not be done on regular people. Yeah, this is like serious acrobatic shit where you each know where each of you are at every single second. 
Mm-hmm. So the night ends and Jada Pinkett Smith has decided, yes, I will, I will grant you a boon. And Donald Glover has joined the party. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> and they get a beautiful car and he drives them to their next destination. Uh, a beautiful beach house of one girl that met one of the other guys along the way. Yeah, but at the at the drag bar. That's where they met. At the drag bar, yes. Yeah, I. She's so forgettable, unfortunately, because exactly. she cannot measure up to <laughs> to the other her woman mother? in this scene. Yeah, her mother. Yeah. Uh, they walk in, and it's Andy fucking McDowell. And a bunch Did of middle-aged ladies. Why I kept calling back to this during Ready or Not? It's it's a similar vibe, but this okay. Andy McDowell is she is here for everything that is happening. She wants to be ravaged by these men. She wants to have a great time with these men. You don't need that expensive wine, girl. You just need wine. <laughs> that's the thing it feels like it's going to be the one where they they walk in it's not who they're expecting in the house it turns out that it's actually this girl's mom's house and the girls are out in the backyard and they're like oh these are our friends at a bar but then the the younger daughter is like oh yeah we they're strippers we met at a strip club and any mcdowell who she never exactly says it, but the impression is that she's very freshly divorced. Um, is or at least, in a, I, I don't think she's freshly divorced. I think she's divorced enough to the point where she's rebounded from her, from her grief of being divorced that she wants something new and fun and exciting. Yeah. Not like and vengeance. And she's there with the rest of her proper southern wine mom friends, and they are all like, a couple glasses deep already and ready for this. Well, a couple glasses deep and then five of the most handsome, eligible bachelors in the world show up at your fun wine mom night. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> holy shit. It's amazing. I, I can't imagine this kind of thing. Now, this is where my brain decided to take another left turn. Uh-huh. Sarah, Sarah, is yeah. Magic Mike XXL an Odyssey tale? You know, I was thinking earlier about the hero's call, and first you have to refuse the call, and then you have to get back, which is exactly what happens to Mike. Are you saying that mm-hmm. these women are sirens? These women are the sirens. <laughs> because but think, think, think about this. Luring them to their doom, they just everybody has a good time. But all these stops along the way, it is very Odyssey-like, right? You get to uh, the Jada Pinkett Smith's house, which could be uh, something like Circe or the Lotus Eaters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just these continuous... Th- there's a paper here. And if somebody out there is looking for a really good university paper to write, on the hero's journey, comparing uh, uh, the Odyssey to Magic Mike XXL, I am giving you free reign. Just send us a copy, please, because this is 
it's there, right? These women are the sirens. They are calling these men, not to their doom, but to stop for a while. Yes. Right? That's another thing. And, this is a road trip movie, but you never really, and they say like it's happening over two or three days or whatever, but you never yeah. get that sort of like road trip stress. I was thinking about um, It Happened One Night, which has a very similar um, sort of... Uh, itinerary where they're moving up the east coast and they have to get to new york and then mm-hmm. you know that's a, a wacky romantic comedy where bad things keep happening you know they lose their tickets and then they have to hitchhike and so on and so forth that's not what happens in this movie this movie is just like next stop oh the person at this next stop will also provide us a way to get to uh to farther on our voyage that sort of thing um but yeah this i i would love to read that for the fact that none of these characters really change much. No, I mean, th- this is this is where one character does get a big change, and you could see see him as the man who sacrifices himself, not sacrifice, but ties himself to the mast in order to mm-hmm. hear the song of the sirens, in order to make it through to the next er- uh, place, right? Which is yeah. Joe. Uh, yeah. Joe and Andy have such electric chemistry. And uh, yeah, he fucks her. <laughs> and it's sweet, and they they are compatible, if you will. Um, and his friends are all like, "That sweet little old lady took it." Well, not little old lady. She's like, "That sweet southern lady took it all." And he's like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Oh, I'm so happy for you." And it's the same thing. It's not crude in any way. It's just wholesome and friends being happy for each other, um, which I don't think I've ever seen like anyone talk about in a movie in terms of like literal crass details before. Yeah, they call her a glass slipper because she's yes. his perfect fit. And I was like, that is so romantic. You could have just called her, you could have said anything else which yeah. most dudes would have, right? They would have been like, oh, yeah, bro, yeah, we, I totally fucked her and stuff. And instead, it's this really tender moment of, like, I found her. I found the woman who can handle me. Yeah. Oh. And she oh, it's, exactly it's, what she needed at that moment, too. That's the thing. It's, like, sure. it's, it's such a she fine flying balance. Mm-hmm. And I think the movie handles it really well right reflecting more upon this movie i'm going like yeah this this is wholesome this is so much better um i like that channing tatum gets to throw in the line here of old and expensive to fit in upstairs when he's talking about wine (laughs) old and expensive i hope one day to be described as old and and expensive oh your lips to god's ears Mm mm-hmm but yeah, it really seems like this is one of the best nights in the world for everyone involved, uh, except for angry photo girl. Yeah, Amber Heard's also there. Uh, Channing Tatum talks to her a bit. It's supposed to be like more of their romance, but it, honestly, I think they just cut away from the scene with the wine moms and the strippers because they're like, he, he refers to it as a powder keg several times. And I'm like, yeah, this movie's going to get filthy soon if you don't cut away from it. I would have rather seen all of those ladies 
than whatever the hell's going on with Amber Heard. Oh, we never got back to what you were saying about Amber Heard. If you want oh, to discuss yeah. that, if you don't, um, by all means. Yeah. Uh, I like Amber Heard. I think she's interesting. She's an interesting performer from what I know of her. Um, she is probably best known for having been married to Johnny Depp and accusations that they uh, that they both have said that the either that the other sorry has abused them so um, a lot of very angry Johnny Depp fans um, will come out anytime Amber Heard is mentioned uh, and say awful things about her and you know I wasn't in their marriage nobody can really say what happened between the two of them I will say that at this point there are several um, legal disputes still going on uh one has resolved that uh said yes for the purposes of i believe it was it was the sun or some other english tabloid uh that for the purposes of the law yes it is legal to call johnny depp a wife beater um so i'm not a big fan of his right now and uh i don't think she gets a fair shake I think uh, the whole thing is an enormous mess. And quite frankly, I want as little to do with it as possible until we can find out any definitive proof either way. Yes, but also I don't go see Johnny Depp movies anymore uh, because I don't feel comfortable giving him him my money. And also he has become a parody of himself. Yeah, and I mean, let's face it. When was the last time he made a good movie? Exactly. So anyway, back to Joe's giant dick. <laughs> back to something that's fun to talk about. <laughs> she gives them a Rolls Royce. She's she just uh, oh, she's I I was so thoroughly engaged by this man that I've decided to give you this very expensive car and a ride all the way up to your convention. They take it, they go, but you get the feeling, you definitely get the feeling Joe is going to come back. Well, that's the thing. She says it's the ex-husband's car, and she doesn't care what state he brings it back in, just bring it back. And I was like, oh, girl. Girl, yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, they arrive at the hotel, and what? The, the concierge is waiting for them. Their rooms have all been upgraded. They've now got access to the, the the conference room. What the fuck is going on? Oh, turns out Jada Pinkett Smith is back. <laughs> she just can't leave that white chocolate alone. No, no. She's decided if you boys are going to do this, you're going to do this fucking right. I'm going to be your MC, And you go, yes, yes, Jada. She is going to... Uh, you you don't even need the men. She is just going to charm the literal pants off of any woman that she comes into contact with. And what? Who's this? We go through a little montage as they're setting things up for their new thing. When they go to register for the big stripping convention, it's Elizabeth Goddamn Banks. Not in this movie enough. Not in this movie enough, but you definitely get the feeling that there's been uh, intimate relations between her. 
and Jada. Just like, 100%. Fuck yes. Good for all of you. All of you getting your fuck on. Great. (laughs) Go for it. Uh, We get a nice little montage of various strippers as they're preparing for the show backstage. We see the typical 300-style guys. Okay. We see some cowboy guys. Cool, cool. Right. They're all hot. They've all got abs. There are definitely some that I was like, oh, hello. What? What? I want to see. Oh, and he's gone. And then we see, we see a fucking, <laughs> we see a fucking guy dressed as Neo from the Matrix. And I am laughing so hard because I'm just like, what is his show? I need to know. I just, I need to know what this fucking Matrix stripper is. To be fair, that's a really great stripper costume because, like, you have a lot to remove. There's so much to remove. I don't know what's going on underneath that coat. It could be anything. <laughs> what does he look like? He's just like a, uh, a Russian doll with others. St- like, beneath that, he's a firefighter. Beneath that, he's a cop. Beneath that, uh, he's come to fix the plumbing. Yeah. Sure, Russian nesting doll. (laughs) When you look in upon yourself, you find out it's not the spoon that bends, but yourself. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, on the stage is dressed as a giant spoon. And you see the moves he does. (laughs) I didn't know a man's spine could bend like that. (laughs) Oh, man. so enjoying all of this, I I, I wrote here as, as a note, ah, ha, 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 times infinity for the neo stripper. Because <laughs> I was just laughing so much, and then we see a brief thing of Twilight themed strippers, and I wrote, Fuck I love off. the detail here that they are lip syncing to a pre-recorded track of dialogue. It's just so incredibly awful apparently this is a really common thing in like church plays where they'll have um yeah uh so it felt like a little bit more realistic and a little bit more uh terrible performancey which i appreciated yeah there are bad strippers as well guys (laughs) like it's not it's not a wonderland of amazing this this actually reminds me of when i was taken to a strip club uh in (laughs) university this is up in Thunder Bay and drunk off my ass with a bunch of people from teachers training college. It was our last kind of hurrah for the year. So we went to the local strip club and the strippers who came out were performers. They, and you'd think in a strip club in Thunder Bay, yeah. <laughs> winter, what are you going to see? Nothing. They came out and they were doing shit on the poles on the fucking ceiling. You're just like, good for you. This is amazing. Now this is pre me coming out. So I was like, oh yeah, boy. Er." Meanwhile, I'm legitimately enjoying just the athleticism of it. The next time I was taken to a strip club, which was for a bachelor party, wildly disappointed (laughs) because Like, I mean, good for them. You're making your money. But after the show that I was given the first time I I went to a strip club, I was spoiled because the next one, it just seemed like they came out, took their tops off, jumped up, 
and down five times and then left. <laughs> they did jumping jacks. <laughs> it, it, it might as well have been by this point. <laughs> so, yeah, there's going to be bad strippers as much as there are good strippers. Yeah. Uh, your mistake for going to this strip club? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Make me feel real bad. Yeah. Also, super awkward that you know, strippers kept coming up and being like, hey, you want to get a private dance? And I'm inside my head. I'm going like, I feel very awkward being here. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> That's a secret clue we'll save for later. <laughs> I can look back on myself and laugh. None of you can, though. <laughs> So, uh, we finally get to their show. Yeah. And holy shit, is it a show. First off, Jada comes out talking, and she calls it Resurrection. Great. Love, Love it. it. No, no. It's a pot. Great. They, and they come out using Duel of the Fates from <laughs> Star Wars. Is that Oh my god, that's Yeah, yeah. Yes. Just falling, falling off of myself laughing. Kevin Nash is up first. And he does this delightful art routine where he's in, in an art smock. Um, quite frankly, I wish he was wearing pants because <laughs> it, it seems a little weird standing in an art smock with no pants on. But yeah, he's got he's a got woman like, up on. Yeah, he's got like a, a romantic era blouse and then like hot pants. Yeah, it's, mm, it, it's, it's weird woman up on he brings a woman up on stage he's painting a picture but you're not seeing anything and you're just like oh he's just miming painting a picture right it's the romance of it it's the the mystique and as the music swells he throws a bucket of glitter at it and you find out <laughs> oh fuck he'd been painting in glue and he did a masterpiece of this woman who he's just pulled off of nowhere this is incredible. This is art. This is goddamn, you know, no, no notes, Kevin. Nash. Of course, he takes his top off. He looks great. He does some flexing. It's a Beautiful. very much but, like art attack thing where you're like, what is this man doing? And then three minutes later, reveal. Reveal. Yeah, it is very art attack. Uh, <laughs> next is uh, Tito and uh candy shop i'm like it's very low-hanging fruit i get it on the yep. nose you, you like the candy again we are so glad for consent these three women are getting licked <laughs> and covered in chocolate and whipped cream and all i could think was who's cleaning this up they gotta go through the rest of the show like that yeah. These ladies are dressed yeah. up nice. But all of these women look so down for this. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm so happy for them. And again, 
we are seeing an array of women, not just beautiful women, but beautiful women of all kinds, not like the stereotypical beautiful women, right? It's mm-hmm. like, we've got bigger women, we've got skinnier women, we've got tall- Women of different short, ages. Different ages, different skin colors. It's just like, yes, perfect. Yeah. Whoever put out the casting call for all of the women in all of these scenes, you did your job. <laughs> uh, Matt Bomer comes out and he sings. And- sure. He's, he's, he's got, got a, a fine voice. voice. Yeah, made for Broadway. And it's very clear because he, he also sings in Doom Patrol because he's one of the main characters in that. Oh, there was a point earlier on where he talks about his acting career and he's like, oh yeah, I sang at Disneyland in uh, Sing with Sing Along with Mickey, 03 to 05. And he's like, I, I, what was it? He started out as a backup dancer and then he became Mickey and I was like, bitch, Mickey doesn't sing. Mickey's not singing live. What the hell am I supposed to believe about this? Absolute fibs. Also, this is just a, this is a complete nerd thing, but uh, that was what Kevin Richardson did before he got discovered and uh, put in Backstreet Boys as he danced at Disneyland. So I'm like, I see what you're doing. That's fair. Yeah. Matt Bowman can sing, yeah. but uh, yeah, that, that's his shtick. He sings these women, uh, and at the end of his song, you know, he's being swarmed by women. He falls to the ground. They all lunge on him, and they, as they back up, there's just a Matt Bomer skeleton. <laughs> They've eaten <laughs> him alive. He is never seen again for the rest of this film. Why did we invite all of these piranhas to the convention? <laughs> I never should have done those scientific experiments crossbreeding women and hyenas. Uh... <laughs> Guys, to get real shiny, we got to put cow blood all over ourselves before we go on stage. <laughs> Do you think this could go wrong in any way? Impossible. So next is Joe's number. And <laughs> Are you he. Okay? He gets this so right because, yes, you start with the fantasy. He comes out in a tuxedo. He looks gorgeous in a tuxedo. He's got his square jaw, little bit of scruff going on. His long-ish hair, it's pulled back. He finds just a rando in the crowd. Yeah, he finds a rando girl in the crowd, gets down on one knee, proposes to her. She says, yes, of course. She says, fucking yes. (laughs) <laughs> puts on a giant fake diamond ring, like comically, comically big. Like ring <laughs> Like five ring pops melded <laughs> together. And takes her up on stage. They have a quickie marriage. It's it's beautiful. It's it's wonderful. And then he straps her into a swing, <laughs> gets her legs up into the air, takes off his shirt. And the music switches to Nine Inch Nails. Oh, Oh, this is the kind of number we're going for now. Yeah. And the mood really changes and his movements really change. He rips off his whole fucking costume and he, he does some athletic shit, but where, where Channing Tatum was doing like sexy dancing, what Joe is doing here is like, raw animal fucking yeah yeah 
yeah. and he's got knee pads on, so safety. Exactly, I love that detail. <laughs> Same thing Kevin Hart is wearing, or not Kevin Hart, oh my god. Oh god, <laughs> Kevin Nash is wearing knee braces for most of the movie. I'm like, good for you. Yeah, no, safety's important, trust me. Like, yeah. like wrestling, I gotta wear knee pads. Holy shit, yeah. I have fucked my knees up. But that's and, the thing, like, he's crawling all over this harness. He's flipping uh, all over the girl. Like, it's incredible. It like, is raw. Just from raw. a dramatic point of view. Like, he's a big dude, and he's just flipping mm-hmm. himself around up there. It's great. It's it's amazing. And I was just, like, jaw dropped. How few notes can I take? I don't want to take my eyes <laughs> off the screen. And then we get to Channing Tatum's routine with this other guy. I don't know Malik his name. From Malik. He's from uh, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's club. Okay. Well, I had a hard time with most everybody's name in this film. Yeah. So they're not really said enough. They're really riding on the fact that you know these people as the people that they are. Yeah. And this is this is a great like mirror routine that they've set up where the two of them are almost perfectly in sync with each other. They've got two beautiful women, one of them being Amber Heard, who he just, just happened laughing to- the whole time and looks like she's having the time of her life. Yeah. And she doesn't know what to do in terms of like, am I supposed to be serious? Am I supposed to find this funny? Am I supposed to do and I'm sure the other woman is having the exact same thoughts of what, yep. what, what, what do I do? Right? Ah, just sit back, let it happen. And it's real fucking good. The part right before this where Jada Pinkett Smith is introducing them, she's like, anyone who's not on birth control needs to leave right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Jada. Yes. And, thing. Like, you know, it's real horny. He's flipping her over. They're mm-hmm. in all different positions. Him and Malik are switching girls and things like that. But the whole thing of it is really just like, this is incredible to watch. It, it is a stunning dance that is happening here. Right? Because really, Chang Tatum's sexy dances, they are dances. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, he's a he's a fucking professional. Hats off to him. Uh, and this is kind of how the movie ends. I asked at this point, did they win? Did they make money? Is is there a? Oh, okay. They kind of end up on a boardwalk late at night with a bunch of people that they met along the way. Gabriel shows up in the froyo truck. He got it fixed. He got his noggin fixed. Everyone's happy. They look as the fireworks go off, and it's just a really simple fade to black on a on Channing Tatum's smile, and that's it's very it. Very much the end of Ocean's Eleven in front of the fountain at I think the Bellagio, where it's sort of like, mm-hmm. "Yep, here's all the crew. We made it. What a crazy ride." The end. But it's not. But there's again this level of morose happening in this film of this was the last great thing that we had. Yeah. And I don't want that. I want more great things. <laughs> I want I want more sexy times. That's 
yeah, it's much more present in the first one. But like you say, like you can't think too much about this movie without thinking about like the guys are constantly asking each other, what are you going to do on Monday? And they're like, fuck, I don't know. Wow. Yeah. So after this odyssey, this sexual odyssey we've been on, Sarah, uh, I'd like to ask you a question. Go for it. Will you marry me? Oh my god! In front, of, in front of all these people. No, no, no. Is it camp? <laughs> Sam, this movie about male strippers turned you straight. What? what? It turns out. It's it's not a spectrum. It's a circle, and I looped so hard into gay <laughs> that I came back up. The other end is straight. Um, I put this on the list because I thought it was camp. Um, I get a very campy enjoyment out of this movie, but on rewatching it, I think, no, the real selling point of this movie is its sincerity, and I don't think that you can call it honestly camp. The advertising for this makes it look camp, but I don't think this movie's camp. Sam, is it camp? I actually have to agree with you. Like, there's... There's a genuine feeling. There's genuine emotion here. There's too much moroseness to it. Mm-hmm. And and not in a an over-the-top way that gets into, like, showgirls territory of morose, but rather, like, this is it. This is the last happiness. Yeah. It's, right? it's not so much... I, it feels like a very, like, adult sort of feeling where it's not none of these people are crying saying what's become of my life they're just sort of accepting yeah this is the best it's ever going to get and I'm going to savor it while I can which I feel like isn't something that you you see that often yeah I again I I want to see my perfect ideal stripper movie at some point Mm -hmm. which would have nothing but upward trajectory and and everyone feeling fucking great at the end of it. But in terms of the, the spectrum of stripper movies that we have, this is definitely on the high end. This is, this is probably top tier stripper movie. Yeah. In terms of you leaving the theater at the end of it going, well, that was great. I feel pretty good. Exactly, exactly. Like this isn't, again, a movie that leaves you feeling dirty it honestly makes me feel wholesome <laughs> which for a movie that's mostly about people taking their clothes off and trying to get other people horny is uh is nice mm-hmm. and i mean at least one of them has a happy ending waiting for him down exactly slightly south of myrtle beach a liberal fairy tale ending yeah i i choose to imagine that he and andy mcdowell have phenomenal sex in that enormous house. Mm-hmm. So thank you for joining us today on our exploration of Magic Mike XXL. Please subscribe on your podcaster of choice. Leave a star rating and review where you can because it always helps us to find new people who may not know what their camp favorite is. Yes. And next week we will be discussing the Pink Panther, the original Pink Panther film, not the Steve Martin remake, 
We are going back in time. This is, is this the earliest film we've done? You know, I think it has to be. Let me check. Yeah. Um, I, yes, I'm I think pretty the sure. earliest before this would have been probably Stage Fright. No, Phantom. Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, uh, there we go. Phantom, yeah. 70s. So yeah, this mm-hmm. is definitely the earliest we've ever done. Yes, this is the earliest film we've ever done. Uh, it is The Pink Panther. There's a reason. There is a whole, I mean, slew of Pink Panther films that came out after this one. And I'm sure Even we will discuss... Even though none of the other ones actually have the titular Pink Panther in them. Yes, we will discuss that in there uh, when we get to it. But this is this is really a case of... Um, this, this is probably one of the earlier cases of a Steve Urkel happening in, <laughs> in cinema where we've built this film and we have all these characters and the focus is supposed to be over here. But really, this one dude keeps pulling the focus and the audience loves him. Well, there's nothing we can do about it. Let's give him money. So Peter the Sellers. Mm-hmm. We got we got Peter Sellers. We have um, I wanted to say Piper Niven, but she's a wrestler. It's David, David Niven, Niven. Yeah. right? <laughs> Not to confuse Piper and David Niven, <laughs> uh, and a very young uh, Robert Wagner. So uh, yeah, we'll be enjoying the Pink Panther, and I'm sure we'll have a lot to discuss about that next week. I'm excited. In the meantime, you, the audience, can continue the discussion on our Twitter and Instagram. I am at Reese Indigo, R-H-Y-S, spelled the Welsh way. And I am at Sour Citrus Lady. You can follow the pod, again, either on Twitter or Instagram at, at Is It Camp Pod. Until next week, wait an hour before swimming, watch out for snakes, and stay camp. Ta-ra. Bye. What's the thing? Like it. Not too cam. No, not the way you do it.